as we make our way back to our seats. It's such a wonderful time to be able to greet those around us and just to share the love of Christ. I, I put on the front of the bulletin this week, I am so thankful for the uh, technological ability of the men of the church that put together the YouTube channel so quick, uh, hard to believe, uh, just about three years ago as uh, the COVID crisis hit the world and they shut everything down. Uh, we never missed a beat and I'm thankful for that, but there's just nothing replaces uh, being with God's family in person. You know, the Bible says, uh, don't neglect gathering together because we need it. We need it. And other people need uh, to experience God's love through us as well, to be able to use our gifts and ministries and just a smile and uh, a word of encouragement make all the difference for many people. Something that was encouraging to me last week, I, I normally remember to get a glass of water as I speak and don't want to dry up or choke up. And, and Vern felt that I, my voice was getting a little shaky, so he brought water. And I teased him and said, well, where's the twist of lemon? Well, this morning, <laughs> there's a twist of lemon. And so that is very special. I prefer uh, flavor enhancers. Uh, the uh, No. <laughs> I'm just teasing him. No, let's not get carried away. This was wonderful. Uh, the rest of you ushers take note. That is special. That is good. All right. Last week, we began a series of uh, messages that look at, of all people, Jesus. It reminds me of that wonderful old Sunday school story about the little kids that uh, Sunday school teacher was asking them questions. It was on creation, and they were talking about the animals. Well, which animal sits in a tree and eats nuts? And the kids all yelled, Jesus! <laughs> Jesus. What are you talking about? They said, well, the answer is always Jesus. And uh, in the next few weeks, the answer will always be Jesus, if I question you on any of these things. Because we are looking at the names and titles of our Lord that are revealed to us in Scripture. Last week, as an introduction, we saw the important role that names played in the ancient world. We see that especially if you're one of those people who year by year you read systematically through the Scriptures, well, you have been going through the stories of the patriarchs, and you remember how all of the names of Jacob's sons had a meaning and uh, the meaning could be praise. Judah sounded like praise. Uh, Leah was happy that her maid Zilpah gave birth and, and those kids were recorded to her. She had like half a dozen now and she was so happy. And because the name happy is, is Asher. So all of the kids had names that had meanings. Remember Jacob, which meant cheater. And he cheated his brother out of his birthright. He cheated his brother out of his blessing. His uh, father-in-law cheated him out of years of his life. It was all about pulling a fast one for him. And his brother Esau, who was on the receiving end of his duplicity, said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? Because the ancient world, names were seen as revealing the nature of the one who had that name. Their nature their character, even their destiny, the prophetic future of them. And so the names, the importance of names becomes even more important when they are the names of God. His great name revealed only to His covenant people, Yahweh or I Am. Who shall I say sent me, Moses says. Tell them, I Am sent you. I Am that I Am. The self-existent, powerful Creator God. Well, as we come to Jesus, looking at his names and titles give us windows into the heart, the nature, the character, the destiny, 
the ministry of Jesus. Last week, we looked at him as the bread of life, the bread that came down from heaven. The manna in the Old Testament was a prefiguring of who Jesus would literally be, the bread that gives life, that comes down from heaven, the solid food. Well, today, as we look in Scripture, we begin in John chapter 10, verse 14. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. One of the great I am statements, especially found in the Gospel of John, that Jesus makes regarding himself. Jesus, in this passage, has named himself, I am the good shepherd the good shepherd. Each of these titles have important significance. They have deep biblical roots and they have a practical application to your life and my life as followers of Jesus. We relate to Jesus as our shepherd, not a shepherd, the good shepherd. It qualifies him to be our shepherd. As we look at that, we want to see different aspects revealed in Scripture of who Jesus is as our shepherd and how it relates to us. First, he says, I'm the shepherd to my sheep. How do we become his sheep? We're his sheep because our good shepherd seeks and saves. We don't find him. He finds us. You may say, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian because I was born into a Christian family. I had no options. It just was part of who we were as a family. It's our culture. But the reality is no one comes on their own to Christ. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Not even the faith we have is our own work. The book of Ephesians says it's a gift from God. It's all of grace. Jesus The good shepherd seeks and saves the lost. Jesus, speaking of himself, told a number of parables that we would understand God in his seeking heart. Luke chapter 15, one of the great chapters in the Bible, Jesus speaks of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. In each one of these, you see God's heart rejoicing and seeking and hoping for that which is lost. In Luke chapter 15, we read, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. The application of this parable, Jesus says, when God found you and you gave your heart to Him in faith, heaven rejoiced. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents, gives their heart to God, than 99 who are righteous and in the fold. A party in heaven. Jesus seeks and saves. That phrase comes from the Gospel of Luke as well. When we see the shepherd seeking and saving the lost, it's found in Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, we see the story, or Luke chapter 
19, we see the story of Zacchaeus, the wicked tax collector. And Jesus passing through Jericho, the little man needed to climb up into a tree to see over the pressing crowd. You know the story. Jesus stopped and saw him and called him and he gave his heart to God. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. (laughs) He did it individually. We come to God one heart at a time. He sought us and he saved us. That's what shepherds do. They seek and they save and they lead us out. Why would we resist the shepherd? Why do we fall in love with the dirty, smelly sheep pen? You know when there's a stockyard nearby and cattle are being fed up for market. They're all gathered together. They're not out on the grass. And those dirty, muddy pens, oh, they're eating and getting fat and the waste piles up. When the wind blows in your direction, you know it. Our shepherd wants to lead us away from that. Lead us out where it's clean and where there's life. I think of, as we read through the Old Testament in the early parts of the year, you'll come to Exodus. I think of Moses, who's a shepherd when God calls him, leading out God's people from slavery to freedom in the wilderness as they get to know God in that great schoolhouse where he gave them their bread from heaven. What would... What would lead us to resist the call of the shepherd? To not recognize the voice calling us out through the gate from the sheepfold? Most often it's pride. Sometimes it's fear. It's those things where we don't want to let go of those things that hold us back. Something new, always something better. Our good shepherd seeks and saves. And to save, he paid a price. For our good shepherd is sacrificial in his saving. (laughs) Reminds me of King David, the skinny-armed shepherd boy, the youngest of all the sons of Jesse. He was out in the field. And those were his family's sheep. He was not a hireling. And so he was willing and able, by the grace of God, that when the predators came for the flock, even up to a lion, David defended the flock. Oh, he won those battles just as he did over the giant Goliath. But he was willing to lay down his life. David prefigured Jesus' ministry as a good shepherd, willing to give his life for his flock. Jesus says, speaking of himself in John chapter 10, as the good shepherd, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's not the shepherd. Jesus is. And for his sheep, he laid down his life. Not only was he willing to, but he voluntarily went to it. He tells them in this chapter, God gives me the authority to lay down my life and to take it up again. He is the good shepherd. No one does that for us but him. He laid down his life. He was sacrificial in saving the sheep. 
And then what we know the shepherd normally does, he leads the sheep. In caring for them, he leads them to food. Our good shepherd is so wise in how he leads us. Now in life, you're always deciding every day who you're going to follow. It's a funny thing, especially when it comes to ideologies and the spirit of the age and, and political ideology. We live in such a polarized, divided culture in the West. The U.S., it's easy to cast stones. We see the divisions down there between red and blue states, but it's no different in Canada. We're a divided people. You can always tell a person's outlook by who they're following, not just political leaders, but even the media they consume. You can tell somebody's beliefs by which news channel they watch because it confirms their biases. We all do it. You hope the one you choose confirming your biases is closer to the truth, but we're led by the nose every day by those in the media. And they have agendas often that are so far from God's agenda for our lives. We need to replace the news channel. We need to replace the influencers on social media by fixing our eyes on the shepherd. He's the one that leads. The shepherd doesn't go behind and drive his sheep. He walks before them. Where's God at today in your life? Where is He leading? Sometimes we take our eyes off Him because He's leading us in a direction that we're not comfortable with. I remember when we're young and God, we feel His, His, His call to do something. When I informed my family that I was being called into ministry, they were, they were guardedly happy. My mom less so, I remember. Her greatest fear was that God was calling me to the mission field. And I would disappear into Africa and they'd never see me again. <laughs> I disappeared into Canada. <laughs> I say, don't worry, mom. I'm just going to Bible school. I'll be back. Well, you know, it was like, it was like two weeks into Bible school. I met the lady that changed my direction. I didn't go back because Canadian women are just so much nicer, you know, so I stayed up here. But somebody's always leading us. Every day you're making those decisions. I encourage you to start your day by fixing your eyes on the shepherd. Whether you do it through a little devotional booklet like the Daily Bread or My Utmost for His Highest or by just spending time in the Word of God and sensing which direction His Spirit's leading today. Who does God bring across your path to encourage and to love and to shine the light of Jesus in a practical way into their lives? Jesus says, He's leading us. He's our shepherd. Again, in John chapter 10, beginning midway through verse 3, says, He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out. When He has brought out all His own, He goes on ahead of them. And the sheep follow because they know His voice. They will, not, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from Him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Last week, we saw that what feeds our soul, the bread of life, Jesus, comes to us through feeding on God's Word. How do we hear the voice of Jesus leading us? Through God's Word and through God's Spirit. And especially God's Spirit applying His written Word to our hearts and to our lives. As God's sheep 
Are you listening for the shepherd's voice today? Can you hear him? Sometimes he's calling you to to leave something behind. Sometimes he's taking you in a very different, often uncomfortable direction. I keep promoting it. It's, it's a wonderful material. We're in the second week of in adult Sunday school of Kyle, Kyle Eidelman's series, Gods at War. And it speaks about the idolatry that is common to all of our lives. We set up these little gods in our lives. And we want to follow, we want to follow God and replace the false gods in our lives. And the biggest false god in any of our lives is the God of self. We don't want to give up on self. We want God to bless self's plans and to go our direction. But again, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus says about self, he says, then verse 23, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The cross, the picture of death of self. We need to die daily. That's what the Apostle Paul says, I die daily to self. I take self off the throne and put Jesus in its place. I don't treat myself and my desires as the shepherd. Only Jesus is my shepherd. And you may not want to let go of the things of self, those false gods, but the shepherd wants to lead you to a better place. Leave behind the smelly sheepfold. Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Hmm. That's where the shepherd wants to lead you. He give you food that's truly food. Don't waste your money on food that's not food, Isaiah says. The shepherd wants to take you to still water to drink deeply of him to green pastures the shepherd wants to lead you to a better place and if he is wise and leading we need to trust him sometimes as the road he's leading us on seems scary uncertain which has never been that way before anxiety attacks but we need to remember that our good shepherd is faithful in protecting the rod and the staff. Those are there for the sheep and their protection and to save us and draw us out of difficult places. Our shepherd is faithful in protecting. Psalm 23 speaks so eloquently of those scary parts of life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. The valley of the shadow of death. Friends, that's what this life is. It's a mortal life. Everyone dies. Apart from the return of Christ, the visible return of Christ, and we're caught up together with them in the air, those who have passed on before us, we all face our mortality. I know when we're young, it seems so theoretical. It's so hard to understand, but the longer we live, And the more loss that we experience, the more real it becomes. And we either face our mortality with fear, anxiety, and panic, or with quiet comfort, with that blessed assurance, the valley of the shadow and shepherds. 
Reading that this week, it reminded me of one of those wonderful old pastor stories, those old chestnuts, those illustrations that we've heard throughout our lives. It was the story of a a shepherd. He lived in the highlands of Scotland and he was faithful to his flock throughout his life and he lived most of his life outdoor on the hills with his sheep. But in his later years, the often cold and bad weather he was in settled into his lungs and his breathing became more labored and more difficult. And finally, he couldn't go out with the sheep any longer. His beloved sheep were given over into the hands of others and he lay in his little shepherd's cottage. The doctor from the village came out to visit him and saw the fluid in his lungs building up and heard the labor breath and told him that his days on earth were coming quickly to a close. And was there anyone he'd want him to contact? And the doctor could see the the fear in the old shepherd's eyes, so he said, "I'll, I'll talk to the pastor and have him visit you. And the pastor came and he'd known that shepherd on and off over all those years. And he knew that out on the hills, that out in nature, seeing God's handiwork, that he had a real faith. But, you know, even people of faith, and I've seen it as a pastor, can struggle in those last days. As the body is hurting, the the strength of, of heart and soul and mind, they hurt as well and were pulled down. And anxiety can close in and people of great faith can have doubts and struggles because of the the lowest state of the body. And that's what was happening to the shepherd. And so the pastor wisely sat at his side and trying to encourage him not to be afraid. This is one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture. How often we hear the angels and Jesus say, be not afraid. And finally, he told the old shepherd, he says, you remember all those days on the hills where the sun shone and then a big cloud would roll by and how you could see the sharp outline, the black shadow of that cloud racing across the hillside toward you. And the shepherd nodded and gasped, yeah, I remember it well. He said, when that cloud hit you, when the shadow reached you, how did it feel? He says, it was a a shadow. I didn't feel anything. He says, friend, You're facing the valley of the shadow of death. He says, death will never touch you because Jesus took it for you. On the cross, He felt that keenly He suffered and He died for us. That's all that left is that fearsome shadow. The shepherd took that for us and He will lead us through the valley of of the shadow of death. We are secure. We are safe. It's no wonder that in a shepherd passage like John chapter 10, we see that beautiful assurance of eternal security. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 28, a little further down, we read, I give them, Jesus speaking of His sheep, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. If God has given you life, you will never perish. You may face physical death, but that is a doorway into eternal life. You will never perish. We need to trust the shepherd on that because he will go with us even through 
the dark valley. And finally, friends, we conclude that our shepherd, he cares for the sheep. They live their lives for their sheep. Our good shepherd is selfless in caring. He puts us first. John chapter 13 and onward said that the time came for Jesus to give His life for us on the cross. It says that is when He showed us the full extent of His love. He had cared for His followers every day and finally went to the cross for them because He puts us first. He was selfless in His caring for us. In the upper room discourses, Jesus, leaving us our marching orders, gave us that important commandment. He says in John 13, verse 34, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus says He's going to the Father's right hand to intercede for us as we pray in His name, in the person and the power of Jesus. But the caring and the loving He leaves to us. Love one another as I have loved you. Selflessly, sacrificially, lovingly caring for one another. The reality of that is seen and played out in our daily lives, what we call church life. When people talk about church life, growing up in church, it often has a negative connotation. They think of of uh, fractious business meetings. They think of pastors leaving and coming and all of the, just the bumps and bruises that can happen in church life as sinners saved by grace try to make their way along as a family. But church life, body life, the Apostle Paul says this is where the loving and caring should take place. Paul says, In Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, because those are always about self. Put self in the back seat. But in humility, humbling self, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And then the great example is given. Your attitude should be the same as Jesus, as we read this morning, who humbled Himself. And in humbling Himself, even to the point of death, God gave Him that name that we speak of, the name that is above all names, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess. But it all began with selfless, sacrificial love and caring. And as the shepherd's sheep following in His footsteps, we are called to do no less. Each week as we see the names of Jesus, there seems to be an action step, isn't there? The bread of life has to be eaten. And we do that by consuming God's Word, by growing and maturing. We experience it literally as we come together at the communion table. But when it comes to the shepherd, the action step is following following the shepherd. And we follow him daily. As Paul says, we die to self and live to Christ. And let him live and love through us. The good shepherd. It's a wonderful picture of Jesus. 
It gives us insight into His heart and His ministry in our lives and through us into the lives of others. Let's join our hearts together now as we close this time in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we look at different titles and what His name means, Lord, I pray that Your Son would become clear to us that in the eyes of our spirit, in our mind's eye, we're able to see Jesus clearly and looking to Jesus, the author, the pioneer of our faith, that we would run our race following in His steps. Lord, leaving sin and self behind, may we hear the voice of our shepherd clearly through Your Spirit and by Your Word and follow Him every day of our lives until, Lord, we walk through that valley of the shadow with courage because we know our shepherd will never leave us, will never forsake us, be with us to the very end of the age. Lord, give us joy in sharing the Good Shepherd's love as He's given us the command to love one another as He loved us. Lord, may we grow in this and learn that, Lord, when we do that, we reach those green meadows and those still waters that our shepherd desires us to live in. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you and keep you. Have a wonderful week. I forgot during prayer time, I'm going to be away real quickly, talk about journeys. I'm going to leave Thursday afternoon, fly to Phoenix for an all-day seminary board meeting as a board of trustees meeting. I'll fly back Saturday and be with you. Kind of bleary-eyed next Sunday, but I have a quick trip to Phoenix. Oh, it's beautiful down there, rainy and about 50. So a little nicer than this, but uh, keep that in mind as you pray this week as well. God bless.